a million and one things are going to happen. A player is going to step out of bounds and doing do something super unusual. They're going to start singing. They're going to stand on their head. Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Basketball Rules Expert, the show where we take National Federation of High School Basketball Rules, we lift them off of the printed page, breathe life into them, clarify, simplify, and present it back to you in a fashion that you can take with you onto the basketball court and have the confidence to know that you can adjudicate any situation that arises on the court. Greetings. My name is Greg Austin with abetterofficial.com, where we craft video to help basketball officials get better and take control of their officiating career. Today, we're going to start a multi-part series on throw-ins, one of the restarts in the game of basketball. Today, we'll be focusing on designated spot throw-ins that are not AP throw-ins. So let's get started. Throw-in is one of the three ways we have to restart the game of basketball. The thrower on a throw-in is the player who will attempt the throw-in. A designated spot on a throw-in is an area that is three feet wide and extends back until we run out of room. Could be a wall, could be some stands, could be some people. But the spot extends back from the edge of the court backwards, three feet wide. The thrower has a responsibility to keep one of their feet above the throw-in area, designated spot, at all times until they release the ball on the throw-in. The throw-in begins when the ball is at the disposal of the thrower. So if we bounce the ball to the thrower and they catch it, the throw-in has begun. If we hand the ball to the thrower and they hold it, the throw-in has begun. Rare circumstance, resumption of play procedure, we may put the ball on the floor if they don't make a thrower available, and then it would also be considered to be at the disposal. When the ball is at the disposal of the thrower, they have five seconds in which to release the throw-in pass onto the court. The official begins a five-second count, and that count continues until five seconds is reached or the ball is released onto the court. So we know a throw-in begins when the ball is at the disposal of the thrower. We must know when the throw-in ends. Now remember, restarts are very brief interludes in, in which there's a beginning and an end. During this period of time, there's a special set of rules and restrictions that are brought into the game of basketball. Those restrict, rules and restrictions go away the moment the restart, in this case, a throw-in, ends. So we have to know when the throw-in ends. So we have a thrower out of bounds. We have nine players on the court, four teammates of the thrower and five defensive players. When the throw-in is released onto the court and it touches any player, the throw-in has ended. That's one of the ways a throw-in can end. The other is the ball touches out of bounds, or touches a player out of bounds, in which case we'd have an out of bounds violation. And the final way that a throw-in can end is by a throw-in violation by the throwing team. 
Those are the three ways. Touch any player on the court. Touch out of bounds or a player out of bounds or a throw-in team commits a violation. That's how a throw-in ends. Let's talk about the restrictions during a throw-in. Again, this is a brief period of time. It could last as, as little as one second. It could last seven or eight seconds. Hmm, how could a throw-in last seven or eight seconds? Wait till you get to our quiz. We'll have a link to the show notes at the end of the show. That's a puzzler. We've talked about the definitions. We know when we start, when we end. We know where our thrower is. We know what a designated spot is. Let's talk now about the restrictions that are in place, special rules that are in place only during the throw-in. The thrower. The thrower obviously has to release the throw-in pass within five seconds. This is a given. They have to keep at least one foot above the throw-in spot, which is an area three feet wide. They must release the throw-in pass directly onto the court. The thrower cannot pass the ball to a teammate who's extending their arms out of bounds. That's not allowed. The throw-in pass has to be in the direction of the court. The thrower may not step onto the court holding the basketball. Thrower is restricted in that way. And the thrower cannot be the first player to touch the ball once it is on the court. I can't throw in, uh, make a throw-in pass and go run and be the first person to touch the ball. That's a, that's a restriction on the thrower. The thrower may not throw the ball into a basket. That is a throw-in violation. Thrower may not throw the ball so it becomes lodged between the basket and the backboard. That is also a throw-in violation. The final restriction on the thrower is that their throw-in pass must be touched by a player on the court. In the absence of a touch, we have a throw-in violation. Those are the restrictions on the thrower. Teammates of the thrower. He's got four teammates involved. Those teammates must stay on the court during the throw-in. And this includes for a designated spot throw-in, a teammate of the thrower is not allowed to come and replace the thrower when the, thro- when the throw-in has begun. So that's teammates. What about the opponent? Defensive players have just a single restriction on them in that no part of their body may penetrate the imaginary plane that's formed at the edge of the court. They cannot reach through that boundary plane and extend any body part The restriction on that ends when the ball is released by the thrower, not when the throw-in ends. When the ball is released by the thrower, they can then extend a part of their body through the imaginary plane. That's the sole restriction on defensive players during a throw-in. Those are the restrictions during a throw-in. We've got restrictions on the thrower, teammates of the thrower, and the opponents. The penalty for a throw-in violation is the ball to the opponent at the spot of the throw-in. It's as simple as that. Ball to the opponent for a designated spot throw-in at the spot of the throw-in. That's the penalty. That's a basic, brief, 
overview of a designated spot throw-in that's not an AP throw-in. All right, let's look at some questions. Question. What is the result if Team A's throw-in lodges between the basket and the backboard? A. No violation. The alternating possession arrow determines which team gets the ensuing throw-in. B. Team A has committed a throw-in violation and the ensuing throw-in is awarded to Team B. C. Team A has committed a throw-in violation and the ensuing throw-in is awarded based on the alternating possession arrow. Or D. None of the above. Our thrower has the ball for throw-in, releases the throw-in pass onto the court, but the ball lodges between the basket and the backboard. What is the ruling? The ruling can be found in Rule 9-2, Section 8. The thrown ball must not become lodged between the backboard and ring or come to rest on the flange before it touches or is touched by another player. So this action is clearly illegal by rule. This would result in a throw-in violation. The ball goes to the opponent of the thrower at the spot of the throw-in. Question. A1 has a throw-in along the end line. A1 throws the ball inbounds, but no player touches the ball. A1 runs after the ball and is the first to touch it near the division line. What is the result? A. Throw-in violation by A1, end line throw-in for Team B. B. No violation. Play shall resume uninterrupted. C. Team B receives a throw-in nearest the spot where A1 touched the ball at the division line. Or D. None of the above. So what has occurred on this play... The rule can be found in Rule 9-2, Section 6. The thrown ball must not touch the thrower in the court before it touches or is touched by another player. So in our play, no other player had touched the ball. The thrower was the first to touch the ball. So a throw-in violation has occurred. Now, when we look at the possible answers, one of them is... A throw-in violation, end line throw-in for Team B. That is the correct answer. But many might go for option C because it seems logical. Team B receives a throw-in nearest the spot where A1 touched the ball at the division line. It, see, it can seem that the violation occurred at that spot. But understand this. This is a throw-in violation and that the penalty for a throw-in violation is always a throw-in for the opponent back at the original spot. Player has an end-line throw-in, throws a baseball pass, throws a football pass, all the way down the length of the court, goes untouched and out of bounds on the other end line. Since we have a throw-in violation on the play, we go all the way back to the original spot. Always, the penalty for a throw-in violation is a throw-in for the opponent at the original spot of the throw-in. Question. During a designated spot throw-in, which is the thrower allowed to do? A. Dribble or bounce the ball. B. 
hand the ball to a teammate in bounds. C, both A and B. Or D, hand the ball to a teammate out of bounds. Okay, players standing out of bounds. In A, they're dribbling or bouncing the basketball. Is this legal? We need to know that. There's a lot of confusion about this out in the real world. And this is specifically legal by rule, mentioned in Rule 442 in a note. The thrower must keep one foot on or over the designated spot until the ball is released. The traveling and dribbling rules are not in effect for a throw-in. Remember, during restarts, during the life of a restart, we bring in special rules and restrictions. But we also disregard some existing rules and restrictions in the game. When a thrower is out of bounds, there are no dribbling or traveling restrictions. They can move their feet. They can do the cha-cha-cha as long as one or more feet is always over the designated spot area. Important to understand that. Also important to understand that when we, we have a restart and we fully understand the restrictions, we know what players are not allowed to do. That's the important thing to focus on. Because during restarts, a million and one things are going to happen. A player is going to step out of bounds and doing do something super unusual. They're going to start singing. They're going to stand on their head. They're going to do one of those soccer plays where they run, put the ball on the floor, flip over, and throw the ball down the length of the court. All of these things may occur in your game. There's a thousand and one things that can occur. We can't be distracted by that. We just have to focus on what is prohibited, what the restrictions are by rule, and then we'll be wildly successful. That is going to wrap it up for another episode of the Basketball Rules Expert Podcast. Feel free to leave us a review of the podcast. It really helps us out. If you'd like to support the show, you can always buy us a coffee at abetterofficial.com slash coffee. Hey, as always, we've created a rules quiz. It's at our website, abetterofficial.com slash B-R-E-0-3. That's abetterofficial.com slash B-R-E-0-3. All right, then we will talk to you next time on the Basketball Rules Expert Podcast. See you next time.